Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This is Antonio Gibson, and you are listening to Roster Watch. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined, of course, by Roster Watch co-founder Byron Lambert. It's been a while since you've seen Byron on the old pod, man. You're used to seeing that disgusting trash, man. Byron, what the hell's going on, brother? We had to find some reasons to pay the trash man a little bit of money man so <laughs> I had to had to finally come up with some work for that guy after all these years and and he he starts making a little bit of money and he spends it on these $200 jumpsuits that are, <laughs> that are basically just sweatsuits i thought those were jumpsuits that somebody else paid $200 for that he picked up at the thrift store for a couple it's- of he would nickels. He, he was he. Dude, we were we were walking around the combine and people were consistently complimenting Trash Man on his clothes, which to me just looked like literally sweatsuits. That's part of his brand. <laughs> I just I can't believe it. Uh, t- today we are going over some updates and just some talking points on the best ball cheat sheet that's going to be available at rosterwatch.com here in the next. I'd say within the next week or so. These things I always start making them, and it's just. You figure you can just get into it and toss it up and make the changes as they go. But Byron, you know, being an architect of these cheat sheets, what uh, I mean, every little change creates another. What's that they call a uh, scope creep? Whenever you think all you need to do is change out one board on your deck, but you take the board up and you look under it and there's a joist that's rotten. And so you got to take out some other boards. And when that joist is rotten, you find out that there's some other part of the foundation there where there's a crack. And it's like, you can't just make one little change and then expect everything to be okay. And so we're, we're just working through it. We're running simulations now, mainly on underdogs to make sure that these teams show up with our all- allocations that we really want as far as player exposures positionally. Um, and so this will be player specific talk right now, but uh, just, just so you guys know, you can be expecting this up over for our pro members at roster watch within the week or so. Um, I don't know, Byron, do you want to talk starts out just talking about the Jaguars that made the big splash yesterday in free agency? 
uh, I don't know if it was, was a splash. I felt I felt like it was a splash, like a turd dropping into a punch bowl for some of these. I figured we were just going to get straight to the main course, man. Let's get right to the heart of the matter, the the core of this entire thing, man. I mean, it, don't you think the biggest signing of free agency so far is J.D. McKissick in terms of fantasy impact? All right. Well, we could talk about that. I, I, I wish Trashman, I wish Trashman would be on the show so I could just tell him. I could see, like, do you see what all this J.D. McKissick stuff that you've been worried about all year? with Antonio Gibson just does not matter. It just uh, like, and now it doesn't. So, all right, that's fine. Let's talk about Antonio Gibson currently going around 28, 29. So an early third round pick on underdog, at least he's going behind guys like Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Deandre Swift, Alvin Kamara, all those dudes definitely have, you know, question. I mean, Saquon Barkley, clearly there'll be question marks with him. Um, injuries, new coaching staff, et cetera. Nick Chubb is still a committee back. DeAndre Swift, clearly a guy who is a committee back, but a really, really good one. Alvin Kamara, we don't know what's going to be going on with the offense, what's going to be going on with the quarterback position, any of this. And we're talking about a spread of like nine players between all those guys. What do you think? I mean, where does Antonio Gibson fit in now that J.D. McKissick's gone for you? Well, it looks like you guys were – anticipatory on this move because pretty reasonably aggressive placement of Gibson on the sheet currently. So you guys were, you guys were operating with some foresight here. At least you were Alex. Um, (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of, a lot of maybe not as much uh, ground to me made up with Gibson as I might've anticipated before this pod because you know I, I feel like there's been a lot of action in free agency but from a fantasy perspective there's not a whole lot this really just sent me head over heels but when i saw this mckissick move i just said all right I just, it's, so, it's so weird that you think that that's the biggest move i think that there's other moves that i mean what about chase edmonds and stuff i mean like there's a bunch of this stuff that i want to get into i, I think that the mckissick thing yes i had anticipated it trash trash man refused to anticipate it and even whenever i said all right well what if we just bake in like half of the fact that mckissick's gone right and the fact that we had um what's his name uh what's the gm of the not marty herney what's the martin mayhew told us at the combine you know he said like look we want to have jd back but you know there are some things that we need to get done on our end as far as free agency you know we need to be talking with terry we're talking with Terry McLaurin about a possible extension, some some other stuff like that. There's some things we really need to do before we're going to be able to commit to giving him what he probably wants. So we understand if JD's going to have to go elsewhere, if he can't wait around for us, you know? And so, I mean, I said, so trash me, let's meet halfway and just say there's a halfway chance he's gone. And then trash me starts coming up with this shit that, you know, well, Jared Patterson's still there. And you know, do you remember Jared Patterson oh, yeah. from Buffalo? I mean, and- I mean, let's see what happens. I mean, there could still be an addition in a second or third wave of free agency or maybe even somebody in the draft. But at this point, like you're thinking, all right, Antonio Gibson, like, let's go. It's time to go Jonathan Taylor mode, you know, with, with Antonio Gibson at this point, he's totally uncontested. Uh, He's one of our favorite prospects when he's healthy. We know he's looked like a beast uh, in the NFL. So I guess when I look at the sheet as the players are positioned right now, I think the thing that stands out to me is I think I'm a little higher on Saquon Barkley than you guys are. But when I look above that, I mean, just hear me out. I think Antonio Gibson 
I mean, at this point, he should elevate over Maybe over Chubb, Nick Chubb. He should he should escalate over DeAndre Swift, in my opinion. Alvin Kamara doesn't he have a six game suspension coming up this year from his shenanigans around the Pro Bowl? And if that's true, Las then. Vegas. He, uh, is is that been is that been announced or is that just what, what they I think mean, is going to happen? Broke some dude's orbital. I mean, I don't think it's been totally resolved. As a matter of fact, there was another NFL player that ended up getting charged in this incident, as far as I understood. I well, but last last I checked, it was that he could face he could face a six game suspension. Well, just that alone is enough to. No, it's good. Yeah, that's good. That's that's that, that's good. I think Antonio. I think that's. I, I think we need to make a big big movie on 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 Antonio Gibson here. Well, and I here's mean, the thing. it goes against ADP, but I just. I wonder, mm-hmm. just. I mean, how much do you? How much do you really move him up when his current ADP? How much is his ADP going to move up from twenty eight point eight where it was on? Um, it was at 28.8 on the 11th whenever I recently pulled this ADP. So four days ago, he was at 28.8. When you have Alvin Kamara at 18.9, I mean, do you feel like with as far as the structure of the sheet that it kind of breaks the sheet? Do you think you can get one of those guys? And, you know, or if you get it, because remember, if you get him up above uh, Alvin Kamara, you then you forego the opportunity to maybe get like, go start out like, Derrick Henry and then CeeDee Lamb and then Antonio Gibson at, at value, if that makes sense. It's not just the running backs. Well, with, with these ADPs aren't going to stay like this for very long over at Underdog. And so uh, from a construction perspective, if we're talking about just accumulating value, I see where you're coming from. But I also look at this and I say, man, in best ball, you can't really – I mean, I guess unless you're going to draft Alvin Kamara's backup, you can't win best ball if you're going to have a, some guy miss six games like your best player. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, and he's probably going to miss it, right? I mean, so I'm yeah. going to move up Antonio Gibson. Um, we'll, and we'll just see how that goes in simulations for right now. But I mean, I, I I do get it. You 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 mentioned Barkley. Do you like him better than Kamara at this point too? I like Barkley better than. Chubb, Swift, and Kamara. If he gets traded, which I don't think it looks like he's going to, it would be to be a, it'd be a workhorse somewhere. And even if he stays put, he's okay. he's the lead guy. I, I think Saquon Barkley is one of the epic values in all of fantasy football right now. Dynasty, best ball. Hell, if his ADP stays depressed, I'm going to love him this year in redraft. This is a guy that we we want to have an advantage on, Alex. You're getting him at the end of the spike, basically the end of the second round right now. So. I mean, have you ever heard of such a thing? That feels like robbery. One man. of the best, one of the best prospects of like all time. It's so crazy. Um, I, I love this because now we have Gibson butted up against Joe Mixon, who we said even from the Senior Bowl that Antonio Gibson looked a lot like a Joe Mixon. So it's it just interesting from just from the. The way all this has unfolded as people who keep a close eye on the NFL and these prospects, it's interesting to see those guys right there in the, in the same bucket. And then, well, I'm really interested to see, <clears throat> I'm very hopeful that Denver is going to let Javante Williams have this thing to himself. That's if so, that's going to be an absolute monster in Denver for him. And I'd say that's, that's the next, that's one of the next, aspects of this sheet at the running back position up high that I'll be keeping a very close eye on. Well, I, I mean, it's like, tr- 
what Trash Man keeps doing is in the dynasty, he refuses to move Javante Williams off running back four in dynasty until he knows that Melvin Gordon's gone and then he's moving up to running back two. And so, like, for me, it's like it, it with Javante Williams with his current slotting here on the best ball cheat sheet, it's I, I haven't completely baked in the Melvin Gordon being gone yet, even though it really feels like with Russell Wilson moving there and everything like that, they're not going to have them, they're not going to just turn this into another year with one bad quarterback and two you know, two good runners running the football, they're going to have to get rid of Melvin Gordon. The writing's on the wall. These inside guys on the, like, I think Ben Albright has kind of hinted at it and stuff. Our good friend, friend, friend Ben, who I believe Jen just scheduled to be on the podcast here in the next week or two. So we'll be able to talk to him about that. Um, okay. Keep Gordon or if they sign somebody else of note, that'll be an interesting discussion. Well, if they keep Gordon, obviously we're in a whole different, whole whole different situation. Can we please talk about Christian Kirk and this eighty-four million dollar deal? Uh, can you believe this? Uh, a four-year deal worth up to eighty-four million dollars for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They go out and they make a they make a damn priority to go out and pay during not even during the first wave of free agency, but just during legal tampering. They they got to go out. They got to go pay uh, pay. Christian Kirk, a deal for up to uh, four four years, up to eighty four million. They got to pay Zay. They just have to get Zay Jones on a three year deal worth up to up to, up to thirty million. Uh, they go out and they get Evan Ingram on a one year deal, which I believe is uh, up to what up to up to ten million with incentives. And so that basically leaves and DJ Chark, of course, Byron. You kept asking about him. What's going to happen? Picked up by uh, goes to Detroit. Uh, interested to hear your thoughts there at the combine. You know they did talk a lot. Uh, Dan Campbell did talk a lot about how they really needed a big body, sort of outside stretch, sort of receiver to open things up for those guys. I thought that that was bad news for Josh Reynolds, but it, you know it turns out that they bring Josh Reynolds back. Now they're adding DJ Chark to the mix. It looks like Marvin Jones is still going to be around next year because I was I was looking at Marvin Jones's contract earlier, Byron, and maybe you can let me know what you think about this. But um, this is so funny. I've looked at his contract three times, three times today in my history. Um, so in 2022, his base salary is. Um, Base salary four four point nine five million, a two point seven million dollar signing bonus, and he's got roster workout and miscellaneous bonuses. He's an eight point seven million dollar cap hit and represents five point two percent dead cap, five point two million dead cap. So he's not going to be going anywhere, right? No, and he probably shouldn't. He was a good fit on that team. He still played well. He still looked like the Marvin Jones that we know and love. And I felt like there was a connection there with Trevor Lawrence and. You know, even though they've brought some reinforcements in, these are all pretty young guys. I think it's pretty nice for them to have veteran leader like Marvin Jones. So when you read those numbers like that, yeah, I think logic dictates he more than likely sticks around. So maybe the takeaway here is, I mean, I don't love it for any of these guys, obviously. I, I think it means if you are a Trevor Lawrence owner in dynasty that maybe you can feel a little bit better. Like I was telling Alex, I, I think this is going to be a situation where he, they just let Trevor Lawrence kind of play point guard, try to distribute the ball, get in the hands of all these playmakers. They're more than likely. They're still going to be playing from behind a whole bunch. 
Um, I guess he'll uncork over the top every once in a while to Marvin Jones and and to I guess to the Jones brothers, <laughs> Marvin and Zay. And then ETN, we know, <clears throat> is really a good pass catching running back. So in real life, you don't get real thrilled about all this, but it does seem like it, if anything, this may help Trevor Lawrence's value a little bit in, in Dynasty and I don't know, maybe he's, I mean, you're not going to draft him in redraft, but all of a sudden maybe he has some like waiver wire viability this year with a little bit of upside. Um, um Oh, so you're, so you're, so you're done with the thought. Yeah. <laughs> that, did, that, that didn't sound like it was a very, very definitive yeah. in, into a thought. I thought you might've been I think Trevor, con- Trevor, continuing on with some other point. No, <laughs> no. I might not like him as much as I like Jared Goff now that DJ Chark is in Detroit. But, I mean, I I guess for me the takeaway is I don't get it. Are you excited about any of the – no, I'm just. I, 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 thought, I, thought, I thought you were going to come bitch about like I was bitching last night on Twitter to all the all the cries of the Jaguars fans. I'm like the Brandon Scherf. That's the kind of signing that you make right now during this first wave of free agency. Like you're really going to go out and and say we 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 just got to we got to get Christian Kirk off the market. We got to pay him eight. We have to pay him twenty one million dollars a year, and we got to pay Zay Jones ten million dollars a year. And so I said, these are guys you should be kicking the tires on in the like Zay Jones, you should be kicking the tires on the third wave of free agency. People talk. I mean, people talk about how how he went to he he went to um, he went to uh, uh, Las Vegas and really rejuvenated his career. And I just look at it, and I'm looking at the just at the fantasy points per game last year, and let's just say in half point PPR, like is was he even in the top fifty? He wasn't. I mean, what kind of rejuvenation is this? I mean, hold on. Zay, Zay Jones, where, where's he? Wide, wide receiver, 96, averaging 5.6 uh, points per game in PPR leagues last year where he paid 15 games out of the season. Zay Jones, over the course of the last three years, has scored three receiving touchdowns. He has had um, one game over 100 yards receiving in the last three years. How many how many games has he had over 60 yards receiving in the last three year, years? One. He's had one game over 60 yards receiving, or I'm, I'm sorry, two games over 60 yards receiving in the last three years. You're paying this guy 10 million bucks a year. What did his game log look like after the Ruggs incident last year? I feel like that's. Do you remember when the Ruggs incident smidgen, happened? Smidgen I mean, there, of an emergence. If, 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 plays if, down the stretch, I think well, out of. Yeah, I mean, if it did, if, if if the if the Ruggs thing happened in week eleven, there was an uptick in targets last year for him. Uh, starting in week twelve at Dallas, seven targets, five targets, seven targets, nine targets, eight targets, ten targets, eight targets, eight targets. But he still he he didn't do anything with them. I mean, even with all that stuff, the 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 yardage totals fifty nine and no touchdowns on seven targets, twenty one and no touchdowns on five targets, twenty five and no touchdowns on seven targets, sixty seven and no touchdowns on nine targets, fifty and no touchdowns on eight targets. Then the game at Indy 
120 on 10 targets, no touchdowns, uh, versus the Chargers, 27 total yards on eight targets. And at Cincy, he did have the eight targets. He had 61 yards and a touchdown. But it just goes to show, even when he's getting this mass target volume down the stretch, I mean, starting in week 12 last year, 7, 12, 19, 28, 36, 46, 54, 62, 62 divided by 1, 2, 3, 4. Six, seven, eight. I mean, we're talking seven point seven five targets per game over the from week twelve on last year, and he only got you two games over sixty yards. Yeah, so it's an One odd touchdown. Signing. I mean, it is an odd signing early in free agency. I mean, it just tells me a few things. It tells me that for whatever reason, this personnel department in Jacksonville has a higher grade on Zay Jones than probably the rest of the league. So that is a little difficult to understand. Look, I, I mean, look, I, I, I love everybody in chat. Shout out to Joey two times. Of course, shout out to Cody Carpentier up, up here in the chat, our great friend, Paul Hoover in the chat. I mean, these guys are showing up and simping for Zay Jones. Like he's saying that he's saying that they're talking about the mental side, that Zay was the hardest working player in the team and all this stuff like that. And like, I can agree with the mental side. I mean, you're glad he's not going into – hotels and taking his pants off and trying to jump through windows anymore right but it's i mean the fact of the matter like paul hoover saying i like zay jones a lot we drafted him but he got into trouble so we released right so we released him i agree we like zay jones a lot i mean he was an all senior bowler for roster watch and stuff like me but he, he it's, it's a weird time to yes that's the head scratcher because what this tells me is that they they want a couple of deep threats on the outside to keep people honest but that's not really the game they're going to play so it tells me that they have higher grade on zay jones for some peculiar reasons uh and they made a a little bit of a bizarre move there, kind of prioritizing him early and the other thing it tells me is the type of football that they want to play with trevor lawrence i mean they want like i said this i see this being a point guard kind of short average depth of target they want to get i think they want to get trevor lawrence's confidence up get his completion percentage up uh last year was rough get you know get his confidence up hopefully you know maybe protect him a little bit uh so he doesn't get you know maybe not sacked quite as frequently if he has guys he can dump the ball off to i mean to me this is all about the development of trevor lawrence and again a little bit unusual but they came to the conclusion it seems to me that this is all about just having playmakers that he can efficiently get the ball in their hands at this stage of trevor lawrence's development so we'll see how those both shake out i think they're both i think the zay thing is very strange um you know we'll we'll see how this shakes out for these guys yeah, we'll see. Uh, one thing that, you know, just hitting real quick on the Evan Ingram thing, I'd like to see what you think about him because our good friend Scott Barrett, he tweeted this out earlier. I found it very interesting, something that I wanted to kind of look into. Um, but Scott, as usual, you know, ahead of the curve here. So Doug Peterson, team tight end fantasy points scored rank. Okay. So um, we know that Evan Ingram now to the Jags. Okay. In 2014, his tight end his tight end production on his team was sixth. 2015, 11th. 2016, fourth. 2017, first. 2018, first. 2019, first. 2020, third. Of course, in 2021, Doug Peterson was not a coach. 
But basically through seven seasons, as Scott says, Doug Peterson's tight end was the team's number one receiver by receiving yards five times and the number two receiver by receiving yards three times. It goes along with your dink and dunk theory, Byron. But here's the thing. I love Dan Arnold, and apparently <laughs> Trevor Lawrence liked him quite a bit yeah. down the stretch too. So is this I, – I believe Dan Arnold is also going to return – yeah, uh, what, Peterson. Oh, hold on, hold on. Didn't maybe Dan Arnold? Was there not some news about Dan Arnold? Uh, I forgot. There might not have been. Maybe it was just the maybe it was just the Evan Ingram news that made me think that there might have been Dan Arnold news. But I had thought about Dan Arnold too, Byron, this week, and that's probably why. Yeah. So. He's on contract. Uh, he's on contract for another year. I mean, God damn! You should, I mean, they didn't they trade away C.J. Henderson for him? So this is like a two tight end. It's an interesting offense. I don't. I mean, it's an interesting offense. I mean, because they've got the two outside guys, and then they've got. I guess Christian Kirk will be the slot, and then Chenault is. You know, you guys ask if the ship had sailed at the oh, combine God. on LaVisca Chenault. And Balky, acted, Balky looked at us like we had a butthole for a face when we asked about that. Yeah, and, and – Now they want to trade him. The, now the ship has bit, sailed. Yeah, now now it's uh, coming home to roost a little bit, right? Um, it's roster watch, y'all. I mean, it, it wouldn't be roster watch if somebody wouldn't, wasn't on tilt. And, and, and whenever we come in and we shoot the arrow – Right through the heart of exactly what Balky's thinking, and doesn't want anybody to know. Well, he wants to he gets, trade him. He don't want to have real a bad, bad pub out there. Oh, yeah. I guess I'd be interested to see if Doug Peterson had. What, did he run too many, very many two tight end offenses? Well, what, from uh, we, I can always go back. That's not something I can pull up. Right, we can always go back and look at that whenever we're making the. Updates. I don't know if we had. I can't Goddard pull it up right in now. Philadelphia yet. Right, it was the early days of Goddard. But 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 based on Scott Barrett's tweet, though, I mean. Scott was pretty well researched. He, you know, he, it was a top five to seven tight end. Um, oh, C- Cody Carpentier on Cody. Are you telling saying that Russell Gage to Tampa Bay did indeed happen? Or are you saying you want that to happen? I can get on Twitter and look, I'm not sure how much that, how meaningful that really is. Byron. Well, Tyler Johnson was terrible at the end of the year when he had an opportunity and, they need a third guy. Godwin had the late season ACL injury. Yes, dude. I, I mean, Param. They were running Paramin out there. I mean, speaking of ships that have sailed, the uh, I did. I did ask. I mean, I asked. Uh, oh God, what's his name? The old the head coach for the Falcons. I can't believe Arthur Arthur Smith. I asked him at the uh, combine. I just said, you know given Calvin Ridley situation at that point, we didn't know the, about the year suspension. I said, what kind of priority does that put on Russell, Russell Gage, bringing him back? It's like, Russell was a good player for us down the stretch last year. You know, he's, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't act like they really wanted to bring him back. So Russell Gage comes in. Um, thank you, Cody. Thank you, uh, Paul Hoover for letting us know about that. Thanks to everybody here in chat and everybody here watching on YouTube. That's a nice um, gift for Brady. Really? Just here's a, here's another thing, dude. Well, how long do you think Godwin is going to have to be out? Because I'm 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 looking at where he's going going in, in best ball, and I'm just wondering. Like, I mean, I've pushed him down a little bit, and I've moved Mike Evans up. I just 
I wonder, I mean, Chris Godwin, his current ADP is 53.2. And certainly at least a guy like Mike Williams, who's going 59.1, I think I would want more than him. Um, I would want Chris Godwin more than uh, maybe some of these guys. Like the only guy who's going ahead of Chris Godwin that I think I would want him more than right now is Tyler Lockett, just because I don't know what's going to happen with Tyler Lockett's situation. Like, what do you think about Godwin? Do you think that now that Brady's coming back, he's going to, he feels like he's getting a little bit of a bump that may, uh, I mean, coming off these big knee injuries and stuff, I just wonder if it's one of these deals that he could be a little bit slower coming in. And if the Bucks do have deep playoff run hopes, uh, we've seen those kinds of teams take it really easy on their star players whenever, you know, they really want those guys to be able to contribute down the stretch. Well, this may be the reason they wanted a veteran like Russell Gage, who's looked pretty good recently, and they know from within the, the division. Um, I would say that you can justify a little bit higher ADP in best ball more than you could in redraft, like because you can right. you know, live without Godwin maybe for the first portion of the season in best ball and just bank on massive outbursts of production down the stretch that – could still be useful in best ball when it comes to any considerations for redraft, I would be pretty tentative around Godwin. I mean, I, I can't imagine he's going to be available in the month of September or even useful in the month of September if he is available. So I think first month of the season, I wouldn't really count on him in redraft if I had to make yeah. a projection at this point but i, I well, guess whenever the injury first ha- i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut, cut no, you you're good you're good well just whenever the injury first happened i remember the pro football doc said that he would expect him to start the season out on, on, on the physically unable to perform list it makes sense I mean, so that's six weeks injury yeah so what i mean why are we not why are people not baking that in the kind of like they're not baking in this stuff with the alba camara probably gonna be out six weeks no this no, shit no. happens every year dude I, I mean we always find adps that are so far out of whack this time of year that they're impossible to understand and this stuff all tightens up as we go but you know this is this is where the value comes from do you think that um do you think that so you mentioned D, the we talked about the dj charge just the other side of the fallout from the jacksonville stuff does that have any bearing to you on Amon Ross St. Brown, which is how, how epic he was to end last season. And then w- w- one thing I'm trying, I've been trying to having a kind of hard time trying to figure out is now that Braxton, we know that Braxton Berrios is coming back. I can't believe I'm actually saying it like this, but does that have anything to do? Like when you think about Elijah Moore versus Amon Ross St. Brown, these guys are apart by like five spots on underdog. Do you have a thought on uh, on these two second-year players who you would rather have in best ball? He was very, very close. You'd probably have to prioritize St. Brown just based on his late-season performance. But, boy, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on Elijah Moore. We saw some real, real flashes out of him before he got injured there towards the end of the season. Um, so I, I think logic would dictate maybe St. Brown – so the so so the shark stuff doesn't bother you at all. I mean, it doesn't bother you at all. Uh, I don't. It's not the best news, but it's. I'm not sure Elijah Moore is. You know, I. You know, we're not. It's St. Brown. really emerged as a top dog. So, and even in terms of volume. So, I think even if he takes a step back there, even though you could argue that he, you know, 
actually Chark could kind of open things up for him. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I, I, I see the same way. Those players are complementary, whereas honestly, they're, I mean, and I know that they're not the same kind of player, but with, with the way that they're utilized, I mean, we've seen these games wherever, wherever the Jets seriously use Braxton Berrios on like two and three different end arounds and rushing touches that stuff down down in the red zone you know they use them out of the slot they 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 use them as an offensive weapon the same way that you could see them using uh elijah moore even though they you know elijah moore is clearly the much 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 better prospect it's like they're they're maybe a little bit more redundant than amon ross st brown is with with uh so I'm going to, I'm going to switch. Yeah, these I, I guess it's not as he looked like he was Elijah Moore looked like he was on the fast track to being the star wide receiver with the jets when he started to break out before the injury later in the year. And so that gets you real excited about him going into year two with the development of Zach Wilson, especially considering how good of a prospect that we thought more was, but I still, I think to be fair, his where he is in the pecking order and the target distribution is maybe still a little bit less clear, even though it feels obvious where he's headed where St. Brown, I feel like we really saw it and he really solidified himself and yeah, maybe he takes a little, a little setback here. Um, but I think you have a little higher level of confidence with what we, I think saw out of St. Brown um, down the stretch, you know, you still have Corey Davis there with the jets and, you know, we'll see what happens with a few of these other guys, but they've still got a couple other warm bodies over there that get in the mix. So, um, yeah, it's a close call. I like them both, but I, w- I would lean towards St. Brown if I had to you know, rank their ADPs. I would say St. Brown, I would project a little higher at this point. Do you, do you, th- do you, but you like both those guys better than, than Amari Cooper in a Cleveland Browns uniform? I don't think so. I no, mean, you like Amari I Cooper better? I mean, no Jarvis Landry. Yeah. I know they got the tight ends there, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that I mean, Cooper's a stud, and you know, we we know what he is, but he's a pretty studly player, and it's not a good situation. But right now, the target volume looks enormous for him. So and he's only only like twenty seven. Do you do you like? That's just ridiculous. How, do you I like? Mean, how is it? I mean, he is I just <laughs> came into the league at I, age yeah. like nineteen or yeah, something. Yeah, I know. Do do, uh, do do you do you think that D, would do you like? What, where do you have DJ Moore in relation to those guys? I'm on Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore, uh, and and Amari Cooper. Do you think DJ Moore is at the bottom of that pecking order? Because D, DJ Moore is the much higher ADP than any of them. Well, a lot of this will depend on if they get Deshaun Watson or not in oh, Carolina. But uh, right now, without any info, more information, I would put Cooper over DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. And... I'd probably that's probably have it. Cooper, DJ Moore, St. Brown, Elijah Moore. Okay, that's how we'll do it for right now. You're on the you're on the clock. You got to make a choice, Byron. You've, you've drafted uh, you've drafted. Uh, let's say you've drafted a, a running back, a receiver, and a tight end. And now you have to choose between Travis Etienne and Amari Cooper. What are you picking? I'd go with ETN. Tough though, right? It feels like it's priced in pretty good. Yeah, I think that's fine. If if, if that's a decision on the on the sheet, do you think ETN versus Terry McLaurin is is a is a tougher choice? Yeah, it feels a little tougher to me. 
Okay, so I'm, I'm with ETN up a little bit. I think I think we're going to be pretty high on ETN, and I, I think that that's the way to be. I think it's good to be higher on the on ETN as far as who you guys can be the singular Jags running back than these wide receivers that are even though they're getting so paid are going to really really cannibalize each other. You know, uh, we won't spend too much time on it, but you did mention DJ Chark. I did want to take a second just to say DJ Chark is a good player. He's a good player and a good wide receiver. Only a one year deal, but that was a nice ad for the Lions. I'd be curious to see. I mean, this rookie quarterback class isn't looking so good. So kind of feels like, I mean, are the Lions kind of rolling with Jared Goff potentially this year? And I mean, not that we can get too excited about him ever, but I do think that all of a sudden Goff is like a pretty decent waiver wire quarterback option as we look ahead to this next year. They're going to be playing from behind. He's going to be dumping it to Swift and Hawkinson and, uh, Chark, that's not a bad group of receivers. What what does the Mitchell Trubisky uh, Pittsburgh signing mean to you as it relates to Deontay Johnson and stuff like that? I mean, it's definitely. Um, I think you got to take do take a little deduction, uh, you know, for Deontay Johnson. I mean, it's he had a real special chemistry as bad as Roethlisberger was. I mean. He was just a target monster with Roethlisberger, and I, I don't expect Trubisky to be able to come in and replicate that. Do you? So, I mean, we were just talking. Deontay Johnson is going ahead of the Terry McLaurins, the Amari Coopers, the DJ Moores, the Amon Ra, all those guys. I mean, would you just for now kind of take a hands-off approach to Deontay Johnson, where when they have this bridge quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, and probably just based on what Kevin Colbert told us at the combine where Cody's in the chat. Maybe he can tell us the exact quote. I forget what it was, but it was something about how he, um, we, you know, he, he said that there's like starting level NFL quarterbacks in, in, in this draft. I tweeted it last night, but it makes all the sense in the world for me that what Kevin Colbert did was bring in Mitchell Trubisky and Byron. What did, what did Ozzie Newsom do in his farewell draft? He made sure that that team was left with a quarterback of the future that he felt like he'd left the team in good hands before he had, he moved on to greener pastures. It, just, it feels like Kevin Colbert's going to bring in a quarterback. If that's the case, it's going to be a Mitchell Trubisky new quarter, rookie quarterback, kind of probably a little bit of a a uh, little bit of a kind of slinky deal there, you know, step to step with a slinky. Who knows from game to game which one of those quarterbacks you're going to have? I don't like the that kind of situation for for Deontay Johnson. No, I think this is a clear downgrade for Deontay Johnson at this point. And I would take Cooper over him. I think you could argue he belongs in that DJ Moore bucket. Would you like Amon Ra or Elijah Moore more than him? You know, here's what I would like. I would like Amon Ra and Elijah Moore versus ADP. So they may not necessarily live higher on the sheet. But in terms of leverage versus ADP, I'm more interested right. in Elijah Moore and St. Brown if I'm getting a discount. I got it. Yeah, I got I am it. on Moore and Deontay Johnson. Do you want do you want do you want JK Dobbins or or do you want Deontay Johnson? Probably Dobbins. I think Dobbins. That's good. Okay. Here's here's the quote from Cody. It's a quality class. There might not be guys at the top, but there'll be starting caliber quarterbacks in this class. Thank you, Cody. So that's a a Colbert quote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been attached to Malik Willis a whole bunch, right? Well, and, 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 and 
uh, Kenny Pickett, right? Oh, from right there in the area. Pitt, like everybody wants them to sign him. So, um, how embarrassing is it though to roll out a quarterback with such puny hands? <laughs> it's bad. It's it's bad weather up there. It's bad weather up there. As Siege as Siege pointed out, uh, as Siege pointed out though in the podcast that he did with us, he said he said somehow in the 2021 season, they didn't have any bad, bad weather games. You, you got to go back to 2020 to see him fumbling his ass away in these bad weather games. I didn't think he was that terrible during that rainy day at the senior bowl, but yeah, I mean, a pretty, uh, that'll, that'll, that'll be interesting to see what they do with, with those guys. All right. We, we did just a few more guys we, we, we need to talk about here. Um, I, there was somebody who asked us, Paul Hoover asks, where do you guys put J.D. McKissick now with the Bills offense? It's probably a good question as it relates to Devin Singletary because Devin Singletary does come into focus around the time when you're looking at guys like, you know, uh, a week certainly if you look kind of down here where we have him, we have him a little bit um, suppressed because I'm not going to be taking Devin Singletary at the end of the sixth round or any time during the seventh round just based on what we saw last year even with the kind of the lip service that we heard uh, for him out of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean at the combine to me, James Connor, once he signed the three-year extension with Arizona, there's no way that I'm not taking James Connor over Devin Singletary. Right. Um, Leonard you know, Fournette, that might've been the other biggest fantasy news, right? When you mentioned Edmonds earlier, but it's not Edmonds arrival in Miami. That's the biggest news. It's the Edmonds vacating, now I mean it's clearly going to be James Conner, Eno Benjamin show. Yeah, man. I mean that's why I, that's why I have. I mean I moved I moved James Conner up about twenty spots as far as where like boy the biggest differential as far as ADP versus where we have him on the sheet just because it feels like I I would rather have people take it James Conner. I mean I know it's not going to feel as sexy, but I mean I just want him more than like AJ Dillon or oh, Devin Singletary goodness. or you know that's not even a question. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Connor looked like a stud and it's just a good offense for him. And, you know, I think even a year, a lot later, of touchdowns. Fine. Yeah. I mean, a lot of touchdowns. He's in a good, he's in a, in a really good spot. So you ask about McKissick. I mean, I think McKissick's placement should be the same as if it, if he had stayed in Washington and you'd had a real honest ADP on him or an honest placement or evaluation of him. Uh, had he stayed in Washington, I performing the way he's been performing, I think you he's every bit deserves okay. that same type do, of ranking. Do you like him more than say Kenny Gainwell or Daryl Henderson? Yes. Do you like him more than Jarek McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon, Khalil Herbert, or Rashad White, the, the the rookie out of Arizona State? I would say so. I'm not totally clear on what's going to happen with McKinnon at this juncture. I guess it's some form of a timeshare, but yeah, um, yeah. I think I think I would say so. I mean, for, especially for PPR. I mean, I think McKinnon's going to be pretty studly. Okay, so now we're talking about. I mean, I mean, not McKinnon, McKissick. So it's it's half PPR. Um, certainly not higher than Gus Edwards or James Robinson, right? For best ball, we're not worried about Robinson being out the first six months. I mean, 
We can't do I would, it. I mean, I we would can't take do him that. Over Robinson, Alexander, he's at the end of right. the year. But, but see, like his ADP, me. JD McKissick has an ADP in the two hundreds, whereas we're talking about guys like James Robinson, an ADP of one forty. It's like we can't. That that'll break the sheet. Oh, so he's um, going to be our big riser, either that or he's going to he's just going to be one of these guys that because of who he is, he's going to consistently provide value. So we should own some McKissick if this is the kind of ADP we're going to get on him. Okay, so for us, the kind of ADP we're going to get on him, how about I'm going to move Gus oh, – LaVisca Chenault needs to be moved way the hell down the sheet, doesn't he? Yep. We don't even know what's going to happen with him, so I'm just going to take LaVisca Chenault and just bury him. I mean, should he, should he be under like Isaiah McKenzie or something? I think I'll just do that. Um, God, what a fall for him. And then how about – Maybe we add in J.D. McKissick. I mean, we can add him in just right after Jarek McKinnon. How about that? Did you want him above that McKinnon? That sounds fair. Okay. And above Daryl Henderson. And above Kenneth Gainwell. And above Ronald Jones. Does all that sound about right? For now, it does. Okay. I'm sure we'll be interested to see what happens with Fournette and Ronald Jones. Chase Edmonds in Miami. I just feel like we really need to move him up. He's got a 125 ADP right now. We currently have him kind of sandwiched in around where, I mean, I moved him up basically into this area of the Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, Cordero Patterson, Ramondre Stevenson, um, Isaiah Spiller, type of area about 25 spots ahead of where he would have been do you like it i mean when you just like kenneth walker tony pollard rashad penny miles sanders um how do you see uh chase edmonds now in a mike mcdaniel's offense which comes from that san francisco lineage where they've sort of used these smaller – I mean, Chase Evans isn't exactly as tiny small, but they've used – you know, they use the Elijah Mitchells and the Reem Mosterts and these dudes out of the backfield. Um, there's no other running backs there to speak of. Yeah, I, kind, I mean, I think Chase Edmonds is good. I think he's a good player. Um, they 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 obviously really like him and envision him there in the system. So I believe he does at least belong, even though his current ADP is only about 125 to 130. I think he belongs in this area of running backs with ADPs of like 95 to 105. Kenneth Walker, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, Rashad Penny, Kareem Hunt. I mean, that's about where you should live, right? That was my initial instinct. Yeah, I value him about as much as I did last year. I think there'll be still some form of a timeshare committee in Miami, but clearly you have to um, value more guy, than last year, right? Because like Well, I mean, he was they, good last year. I mean, he was he, there he was there was times where he didn't play or he's injured or whatever, but he especially early in the year, I mean, he was happy. Look, he was it's interesting. He was kind of like in Austin Eckler light in terms of his profile, at least through a big portion of the season where he was like, I want to say he's like four, four, five targets a game. You know, he's that 210 pounder. Um, he didn't have, he, he was more of like a, I think what 13 
12, he was more like 12 to 14 touches than kind of like a 16 or 17 that somebody like Eckler had. So then ultimately he ended up in a split with Connor once Connor got traction in the offense, but Edmonds was good. He had his big breakouts. He was pretty valued going into the season. Um, I think he was a pretty valuable player when he was healthy. Edmonds was last year. So whether people uh, gave him the respect that he deserved, I'm not sure, but my level of respect for Edmonds last year was pretty high when he was healthy and from a fantasy perspective. And I treat him about the same, maybe a little bit more upside in this situation. Only four games last year with less than four targets for Chase Edmonds. Wild, huh? Only four games with less than four targets for a running back. They're going to, dude, Chase Edmonds, uh, Chase Edmonds belongs above, belongs, does he belong above Kareem Hunt? Yeah, I I think, I think so. I mean, it's interesting. That's one of the comps kind of last year. That was made, that might've been the other one that I couldn't think of was a Kareem Hunt had that similar profile there for a while last year. Um, I look, here's what I'll say is, I do think it's probably still a committee, but I don't think Edmonds it's unlikely that anybody on outperforms him. Any other running back on the dolphins is pretty likely that he turns out to be the best running back that they have. Now, does that mean his touches are going to go through the roof? Yes. Yes. It means his touches are going through the roof. All the chase Edmonds, all the chase Edmonds in Miami. credit card bill.